I was sitting across the table from a couple at a restaurant when uh, the wife said something that kind of shocked me. Uh, we had finally gotten together to go out to eat. We'd known each other for, for a while, and they'd been wanting to go out to dinner with, with Ann and me. Uh, they knew I was a pastor. They know I'm a pastor, uh, and they're passionate Christians, so they wanted to go out to dinner uh, and, and get to know one, each, one another a little bit more. And as I'm sitting across from this, this family, the, the, the woman looked at me and said, so what's Lutheranism all about? I don't know anything about Lutherans. Who, who are Lutherans? And I'll be honest with you, the first time somebody asked me that, uh, it was a horrible response because I wasn't prepared. But since then, I love this question. And so she asked me, and I said, well, let me tell you, uh, Lutherans are three things. Number one, we love the Bible. Because it's in the Bible, God's Word, that we hear all about Jesus. All about how much God loves us, that He sent His one and only Son into the world, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. We love the Bible. Number two, we love baptism. Because in our baptism, God promises that our, uh, He washes our sins away. He promises that we become an heir of eternal life. He promises that He, he sends us the gift of the Holy Spirit in baptism. And number three, we love the Lord's Supper. Because in the Lord's Supper, Jesus miraculously comes to us with, with His body and blood in the bread and the wine. How it happens, we don't know. And He forgives us our sins. He assures us of eternal life in this supper. And I was feeling pretty good about my answer. But then she said the thing that shocked me. She looked me in the eyes and she said, I used to believe that baptism and the Lord's Supper were important. But now I know the only thing that matters is Jesus. Everything else is just however you want to take it. And it shocked me a little bit. To be fair, what's going to get you to heaven? Faith in Jesus as your Savior, right? That is the chief doctrine, the chief teaching of the Bible, that Jesus lived for you, He died for you, He rose from the dead for you, and because of it, your sins are forgiven. And by faith in Jesus, you are going to heaven. We would call that the chief doctrine, the chief teaching of the Bible. But what about those secondary doctrines? What about baptism? What about Lord's Supper? What about creation and faith? Does it matter? Some churches, when you go to some churches, you'll hear that baptism is just an outward ordinance. That, that it's your way to show the congregation that you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and, and that you have dedicated your life to Jesus. Here, you'll hear me say exactly what I told that woman, that baptism, you receive the forgiveness of sins, uh, God gives you the Holy Spirit, and that He makes you an heir. It's your adoption day into God's family. In some churches, you'll, you'll hear that the Lord's Supper is nothing but symbolic. It just represents Jesus. And it reminds you of what He did for you on the cross. If you want the reminder of what He did for you on the cross, then take the Lord's Supper. If you don't, it's no big deal. Here, you'll hear me say that Jesus does actually come to us miraculously with His body and blood, with the bread and the wine, to forgive us of our sins. Does it matter what churches teach on this? Or are they just petty differences? Are they just a, a matter of opinion? And it's up to whoever to interpret 
how they want to interpret it. It's up to their interpretation of things. If only we could drop all these differences, then we could be united as churches and we could work together for good, right? But we still haven't asked the most important question. How does God feel about this? Last week we, we looked at the Holy Christian Church and that Christians everywhere across all denominations are united in the Holy Christian Church. We are united in going to heaven because we believe in Jesus as our Savior. But it's very clear that churches, Christian churches are not united. We teach differently about those secondary doctrines. And spoiler alert, it does matter to God. And we're going to see why in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Alright, 2 Timothy chapter 3 uh, is written by the Apostle Paul. It's the second letter that Paul wrote to a young man named Timothy. Paul was a veteran pastor at this time, uh, and Timothy was a young pastor kind of just out of seminary. Paul was a, a, a missionary sent out by Jesus himself to go and start churches in the known world. And what Paul would do is he'd meet a lot of people in a city, set up a church, he'd go to another church, do the same thing, and then he'd take people with him. And one of those people that he met along the way was a young man named Timothy, very passionate about Jesus. And so Paul took him under his wings and started starting churches with Timothy. Paul, when he writes this letter, is now in prison in Rome. And he's getting ready to be beheaded because he was preaching for Jesus. And so he's sitting there, and this is the last letter that we have from Paul to Timothy. And it's his last will and testament. And you can hear the urgency in Paul's voice. And here in chapter 3, we're going to see that Paul encourages Timothy to continue in what he has learned. Alright, 2 Timothy, chapter 3. Here we go. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know from those whom you, have, you learned it, and how from infancy... You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul, beginning in, in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, starts encouraging Timothy on how to deal with false teachers. Teachers who stray from the word of truth. And this section is, kind of, is the end to all that. And so Paul has already dealt with how to deal with false teachers. Now, now he turns his attention to Timothy and says, Timothy, you continue in what you have learned and become convinced of. And what is that? The Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures. The Bible. Why? Because you've known from whom you've learned it. Earlier in the letter, Paul mentions two people, Lois and Eunice. Lois was Timothy's grandmother. Eunice was Timothy's mother. Paul says, you know whom you learned it from. You've learned it from your mom and your grandma. And you've also learned it from me, Timothy. He's learned it from Paul as well. But notice, Paul doesn't want Timothy to just continue in it because of, of tradition. He wants him to continue in it because the Scriptures make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And that's why we love the Word too. Here's your first point today. We love all of the Bible because of its saving message. 
It's only in the Bible that we get to hear about our Savior Jesus. It's only in the Bible that we get to hear how much God loves us. That He fixed our relationship. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to earn it. God won it for us by sending His one and only Son who took on human flesh, who lived perfectly in our place, who died for us and rose again so that we are declared innocent before God. All of your shame has been covered by Jesus. All of your guilt has been taken away and you've been reconciled to God. All of your sins have been forgiven because Jesus' blood was shed on the cross. This is a saving message of the Bible. And it's only in the Bible that we find it. And that's why we love the Word. And the saving message isn't just for you and me. As we mentioned, it's for all people who believe in Jesus across all Christian denominations. Everyone who believes in Jesus has had their sins completely washed away. And they have that saving message of Jesus. But Paul continues. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Your second point today, we love all of the Bible because it's inspired. What does Paul say? He says all Scripture is God-breathed. That's inspiration. Another word for that is influenced. God has influenced the writers of the Scriptures, of the Bible, uh, to write down His Word. How did He do it? Well, for Moses, He simply spoke to Moses and said, Write this down, Moses. For people like David, Paul, Peter, He influenced their writings. And the crazy thing is, is that the writers actually knew that they were being influenced by God. David says, the Spirit of God spoke through me. Paul said, we speak Spirit-filled words. Peter said, no prophecy had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They recognized that God was working on them to write Scripture, to write God's will and word down. But how much of it? How much of it is God's Word. Paul says all Scripture, right? All Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is influenced by God. All Scripture is God's Word. That means the parts that we like, they're God's Word. That means the parts that we don't like, God's Word. That means the parts that we can wrap our mind and reasoning around, God's Word. That means the parts that don't make sense to us, the parts that, that we can't understand, we can't wrap our minds around, we can't reason, God's Word. And we let it stand because it's God's Word. All Scripture is God-breathed. And if it's all God's Word, how do we think God feels about it? It's all important, right? It's all important. And Paul addresses this in the, in the second chapter of 2 Timothy. I mentioned just a little bit ago that 
Paul addresses false teachers in chapter 2 and how to deal with them. Paul calls out two false teachers. And here's what he says. He says to Timothy, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have departed from the truth. Stop. Don't look at the next line yet. Hymenaeus and Philetus have departed from the truth. When you hear that, what do you immediately think of? What are they probably, what, what's their false teaching? Probably something to do with Jesus and salvation, right? No. Look at what Paul says. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. What was their false teaching? It had to do about the end times. About the resurrection of the dead. About people's resurrection from the dead. Not Jesus' resurrection from the dead, but ours. And they were saying that had already happened. So guess what we can assume? They were preaching correctly about Jesus' life, about His death, about His resurrection. Because Paul doesn't mention it. But he mentions that they were preaching a secondary doctrine wrong. And that is the resurrection of the dead. Paul says all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture matters. No matter if it's the chief doctrine or secondary doctrine. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what a church teaches about baptism. Whether it's an ordinance or whether it's the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes, because God's Word is clear. Does it matter if a church teaches that when a baby is born, they're born kind of a neutral, not sinful, but not a, a, a spiritual positive in God's eyes? They're just kind of a neutral until they become the age of accountability where they can choose to believe in God or, or choose to sin? Yes, it does matter because the Bible's clear. Surely I'm sinful from birth, sinful from the moment my mother conceived me. But the Scripture's also clear that babies can have faith. Where? We already read it today. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul says, How from infancy, Timothy, how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. How can that be? This is one of those areas where reason cannot comprehend. We can't wrap our minds around it but God's Word says it, so it's true. Infancy, you can know the Holy Scripture, which are able to make you wise for salvation. Does it matter? Absolutely. And yet, how easy is it for us to fall into that mindset that the only important thing in God's Word, the only important teaching, is the message of Jesus? Everything else is up to your own interpretation. It's so easy to look and say these are just petty differences. If we could just all be on the same page, we could do a lot more. It's so easy to look and say, well, that's your opinion, but I don't agree with it, so you can believe what you want about the Bible and I can believe what I want about the Bible. And yet, how does God feel about it? 
Would we ever stand before God and say, God, here's your word, the Bible. But the only thing that matters in it is what I believe about Jesus. Everything else, I can interpret however I want. I don't think we would. Because if it's all God's word, it's all important to God. And because it's all important to God, it's all important to us. We love the Bible because it's all God's Word. And He gave it to us because He wanted us to have it. He wanted us to have it in its entirety. Do we want to be united? Yes. Does God want us to be united? Yes. How does He want us to be united? Around His Word. And that's your last point today. We seek unity based on all of God's Word. God wants us to be united around His Word. All of it. In its entirety. Why? Because false teaching, false doctrine, Paul said, can harm our faith. They were false teaching about a secondary doctrine and some, it affected some people's faith. It's kind of like this. If you came over to my house for lunch and you brought your, your kids, your grandkids, your nieces and nephews, um, and I'm making ham sandwiches for everybody, right? I'm handing out ham sandwiches and uh, I hand one to your kid and here's what you see on it. You see this little dot of mold. The rest of the sandwich is fine. The rest of the sandwich is a ham sandwich, right? But you see this little dot of mold. Are you going to let your kid eat this sandwich? You might say, well, maybe part of it. But probably not, right? Why? Because you don't want harm to come to your kid. Is the mold going to kill your kid? No. But it's going to harm them. And because you love your child, you don't want them to have moldy bread. God looks at you and He says, I love you so much. I have given my word for you to digest, to eat, and I don't want you to eat the mold of false teaching. I want you to have a full bread sandwich. I want you to have the word in its entirety. And I want it to be nutritious for you. I want it to be uh, good for you. I want it to build you up. And so I want you to be united around my word. How much does God love you? He loved you so much that He sent His one and only Son for you. He doesn't want you to eat uh, uh, scriptures with mold in it, so to speak. He wants you to have the pure Word of God. He wants you to be united around that because it's all there to build your faith up. That's what He wants. He wants you to be united around His Word. And that's what we want to be. We want to be people who love His Word and love all of it. So what? You should just come here and listen to me? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, find a church, find somebody who's going to point your eyes to Scripture. Who's going to say, let's look at what God has to say about baptism, about creation, about the Lord's Supper, uh, about what the Bible is. Let's point our eyes to God's Word and see what He has to say about it all. Not what I have to say. To be honest, I'm not that interesting of a guy. 
Let's see what God has to say about His Word. And so how do we do it? Because there's so many different teachings. Well, on Tuesday nights, we've started a a starting point class. We're two weeks in. Uh, It's at 6.30 here. We cover doctrines like baptism, the Lord's Supper, the Bible, who God is. Join us. And all of your questions will be answered with, let's look at what the Bible has to say. Let's look at what God's Word has to say. So that's option number one. Option number two, let's set up a reading plan so that you can grow in God's Word, so that you can grow in what God has to say about these things because they are important to Him and He wants you to grow in His Word. And the more we know His Word, the easier it is to detect a lie, right? And so let's grow in the Scriptures because Jesus wants us to be united around His Word, all of it. And He wants it to build us up, not tear us down. So let's grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus who lived for us, died for us, rose for us, and has now given us His Word so that we may grow with Him. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we praise and thank You for Your Word. We praise and thank You for all of it, the challenging parts, uh, the parts that we can reason, the parts that we can't, uh, because all of it is Your Word and all of it is beneficial for us uh, for the building up of our faith. Uh, Lord, as we read your word, give us understanding, give us insight, help us to learn what you have to say about everything because it's all important to you. And because it's important to you, it's important to us. Uh, We are people who love your word. And so send your Holy Spirit into our hearts to give us that understanding uh, and to guide us into all truth. We ask this not just for today, but for always. In your name we pray. Amen.